in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. Uh, I'm Matt Nost. And uh, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Just prepping to uh, head on off to San Diego. We're moving in, uh, in about, as we're recording this, we're moving in about uh, nine, day, nine days uh, down there. So it's a little, ner- no, actually less than that, about eight days. So it's a little nerve-wracking uh, getting all the packing done. I've only just started on the bookcases. So this weekend we'll be stacking everything all of this stuff in the bins, putting it out all in the center for yep. the movers to take uh, and then uh, packing up all my clothes. So it's ready to go Thursday morning. So I'm going down ahead of uh, the ladies so um, I can give them their last check, get the keys, and then they, we do a walkthrough of the entire place and then wait for the installers of the cable and all that stuff to show up. Uh, yeah. all, and then I'll come back up and then we'll hang out one last night in the place and then uh, be, be uh, you know, down and there, then. Right. Yeah, moving down Friday. But, dude, I booked a job hosting gig for Friday, so I won't even be able to help with the move on Friday. Lindley's a little mad that oh, she's really? going to be all, in charge of all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a well, little you know, you know, I, you know, you got to do it. You, yeah. you do what you got to do here. Exactly. Exactly. Um, how are you, man? How are things on your end? Uh, you're 2 0 Chicago Bears. How are you in life right now? Are you feeling okay? We, we yeah, we talked about that on with golden ticket or afterwards actually it was post-show uh yeah they're they're paper tigers yeah that swift should have caught that ball in the end zone in week <sighs> one yeah and week two saquon goes down mm-hmm. now we still have meld, you know controlled the game but it's not like the giants are world beaters right so we could very easily be zero and two right now is there anything positive you take out of the first two weeks <sighs> We look okay. We don't look terrible. True. So that's true. good. We don't yeah. look terrible, but we look middling is what we yeah. look. Yeah. Yeah. And that's nowhere you either want to be you want to be trending up or at the top. Not it's, here's what all our draft collateral has gotten us middling. How are you and, feeling about Matt Nagy now? Do you feel like he's on a hot seat or do you think it's a there's nah, nothing to do here in the situation? He's, he's two and oh. He's not yeah. on the hot seat. Okay. All right. Because uh, you can always point to that, and we're like, we're winning the games we need to win. Mm-hmm. So it really comes down to obviously the rest of the season. It's only two weeks, you know what I mean? You can't take yeah. any real gauge or temperature of what is actually real and what isn't. Right. By and large, some teams, yes, uh, and other teams, not so much. Like I believe in the Packers; they look pretty legit. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. And the Seahawks, I like the Seahawks, and. I like patron. more NFC teams, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, are the chargers for real? I don't know. That's interesting though. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, they're going to stick with Tara Taylor. So I don't know wow. what we're going to see from the kid. He needs two working lungs before he's <laughs> technically back. His own so. doctor stabbed him in the lung. He pulled a Pulp Fiction on him, man. Craziness, dude. Punctured his lung. Well, <laughs> he's trying to inject the rib into a rib or something. 
Oh, can you imagine that? Oh, shit. Oh, it's just the pain. The pain of that had to be. Oh, strong. sure. God. And yeah. the coach said that he's not mad at the doctor. So he's, <laughs> he's a good guy. Yeah. It happens. You know, you puncture the starting quarterback's rib along sometimes. You know, that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, Bill Bel- if this was Tom Brady and that was Bill Belichick, that guy would be out of a job within the day. There's no way they keep him after that. Well, he very well is out of a job. But to do it so publicly makes it look like you hired a shitty medical staff. That's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah that's true so- too. If you hold on to it and eventually let him go later on in the season, oh, he had another job come up right. in like five games or something. Yeah, it's a kind of PR. Let him exit gracefully so both sides save face. I think that's where that's heading. Because well, yeah, can you tell me the team doctor of any team? No, I can, really can't. No. Exactly. So this dude has lost his fucking job. Yeah, he's uh, been on hard knocks though. The guy who did this, he has been all over hard uh, knocks. So if you watch the show, I you've seen the guy a number of times this season okay. uh, on the show. So not a bad, not a bad season. Actually, I thought it was going to be kind of lame. It's actually was cool. with seeing the chargers and Rams and how they were prepping. Uh, and the, the Rams look like they figured something out here and are back to playing good football. And yeah. golf looks like he's playing decent, not terrible like yeah. last year. So maybe, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Do you trust that offense? I don't I know. Don't. I don't. I don't trust anything with golf, but he's looked good. I mean, they stomped the Eagles, um, uh, and they won their first uh, game of the year. So yeah. I mean, they feel like they might have re- re- repaired some stuff from last year, but we don't know yet. Maybe. Yeah. I don't like running back by committee. I think ultimately, it's fair. Unless your quarterback is a plus, right. You need help at the very key skill positions. You need at least one alpha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they don't. It's a week by week cases at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. So, well, the um, uh, as we're recording this, we don't know yet who are going to be in the finals, but it looked for the NBA, but it looks good with the Heat uh, with that three one lead, and then uh, the Lakers look like they got a little bit found out by these Nuggets, don't you think? A little bit, but I love that. Every week now we talk sports because there's nothing else that goes on in my life on a day-to-day basis that is remotely enjoyable. <laughs> I'm just saying from from that kind of aspect where you view from yeah. afar to follow the activities and whatnot, because yeah. everything else is political. Mm-hmm. Everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all just this wave of, fuck, man. No, all right. Son <laughs> of a shit. Okay. Okay. That's positive. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you just summed up just about every American's day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no matter what that's side every of the day. Yeah, there's like four of those yesterday. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I yeah. mean, the Gavin Newsom saying by 2035, there's not going to be any more, uh, you know, petrol run carbon, you know, uh, fucking run <laughs> cars anymore. It's all going to be electric. Just like that's a great thing. Uh, and then you'll see five articles from client, climate, you know, scientists saying we're not good, guys. <laughs> we're all not dead. good. You're like, ha, ah, dang. You're <laughs> right when you think you're trying to do something good. Ah. <laughs> oh, I so miss the days. What's that? So, so sports. Yeah, 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 sports. Fucking thing. I just miss the days when you could decide if you could eat eggs or not eat eggs when they were saying they were good or bad for you. Yeah. Now it's like every little thing you do or every big thing you do, 
uh, could be good or bad. You can find people who defend one side and people who defend another side with degrees. So you're just like, well, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. But, so it's craziness, man. Well, I tend to, if they have a degree in whatever it is, yeah, I will listen to their, their counsel first. Yeah, that's true. I can choose to look elsewhere, but I'm going to start there as opposed to <laughs> somebody with the loudest voice just because they have followers or something like that. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not sure that you're the learned individual for this one. Right. I'm not sure that you're the good. Unless you're retweeting that other dude's tweet. Yeah. I don't know if I'm looking to you for advice on this. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, the games have been fun to watch. The Celtics oh, have so been good. given the heat, everything they can handle. Um, and they're one like kind of mental lapse game away from having swept the Celtics out too, dude. It's pretty incredible. I wish the the people that listen to this, because you know, we, over the years we've discovered the ones that like sports that listen to our show, yeah, like it as much as we do, yeah, type of thing. But the Venn diagram isn't as as full as we thought, and I wish they had it because it's been so nice to have that reprieve in both of yeah. our lives, yeah, and, I agree. and so many others that yeah. it's like shit, man. I, I wish you had this. Come on board. I'll happily, you know, between the two of us, I'll, I'll help yeah. teach you to get you in. It's a fun yeah. sport. Tell you who's an asshole, who's not, yeah. where the rivalries are, like uh, just to give you something else to focus on, man, because it's <laughs> been fun for that. Yeah, the playoffs have been awesome. The Heat, I, how, how do you, yeah, how do you deny it at this point? Yeah, yeah man. Um, that's just that team, that team that's feeling it, man. They have and two losses. Well. Yeah. Two. In three rounds, yeah. Tyler Hero last night. Somebody, <laughs> somebody pointed out that he stopped wearing P, uh, PGs. It was on Reddit, and then like two comments later, because I just scanning it this morning. So yeah. Tyler Hero has been wearing PGs up until this round. Okay, explain switched. what PGs are for people. Oh, who uh, Paul George, Paul George ones, his original yeah. version. I think he's on two or three at this point. I don't know. Uh-huh. I know he's on two minimum. Anyway, so he's wearing PGs in rounds one and two, and now since PG is no longer in it. He has switched over to oh shit, who I'll think of it in a second. Okay. He switched. So there's all this focus on, oh, look at that. Like, you know, Hero's more clutch than PG at this point. That's why he couldn't oh, wear those shoes. Damn. Yeah. It's kind of true, at least oh. for this playoffs. True, true. Um, uh, he looked, I mean, every time he shot last night, I was like, that's that's in. Even when he missed, it looked good. Yeah. He was just confident as hell. The madness of last night. When you compare it to the madness of the night before, where Jokic was closing his eyes with his hands and throwing the ball, like it was insane. Some of the shots that Jokic was making, it's great. I was just like, "Where? How? He's literally just going." And what he does? What happened? And they're swishing and they're banging off the backboard. There were so many lucky shots by the Nuggets that game. Yet they they had that chance to beat L.A. in the in the second game. It was there. If uh, you know, if Mm -hmm. they don't fall asleep on defense on Anthony Davis. Uh, in that one split second, and Rondo's smart enough to know how to get the ball to Anthony in the in the corner there, or in the side there. It's a it's a it's a two one series lead for the Nuggets. So yeah, this could they could have found something out. I said this after the second game. I was like, they might have found something out about the Lakers, and Game Three will show us. And they sure as hell stomped all over the Lakers in Game Three. So will this continue? Because you know LeBron's going to try to boss him out of the out of the playoffs now, yeah. just with this one victory. He's going to he play is. the refs the whole night. That's what some people are saying. He, yeah. Well, they've already publicly said, hey, the Lakers, hey, isn't it interesting that LeBron has so few free throws this series? <sighs> so he's going to be getting calls. Yeah, It's smart. Yeah, it's, it's how you play the game. Yeah, it's part of the game. You lobby for, because he technically hasn't complained publicly himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although he's complained about other things, but whatever. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. That one at this point looks more intriguing because you could say the same thing about the Boston and Miami. Technically, after four games, they both scored 441 points. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. So it's not like this is a runaway. It's just 3-1 because things trended in certain directions. Yeah. But at the same time, I am not denigrating what the Heat have done. It's been fantastic to watch. Uh, Yeah, I love it. I wish, yeah. Once again, everybody out there that doesn't like sports, get on board. It's it's really good. It's really (laughs) good. It's the one thing we have that seems untainted by everything else that's going on. Well, still, there's it creeps in, and that's fine. I'm I'm fine with that because overall, they're providing a hell of a distraction for me. I do find it fascinating, though, Matt, and it's real quick, uh, and I know we got to get into the show, but real quick, I find it fascinating. I don't know about you if you've been watching this, but like all of a sudden, all these commentators are able to speak freely at ESPN about these social justice situations, about Breonna Taylor, about mm-hmm. uh, about R- Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as R- Rachel Nichols did the other night, and you're just like, you were firing people left and right if they spoke out about this, and now you're okay with it all of a sudden. Like uh, Jamel Hill was ushered ushered out of ESPN for saying the things that she said, but then you have Jalen Rose going off about the Breonna Taylor thing. You have Rachel Nick. Do they did they sense that maybe the country's flipped in a way, and so they feel safe that they can do this now? Because before they it was like a mandate that you can't talk to social justice oh, yeah, stuff you on ESPN. Politics was not allowed in the yeah. slightest. I think it's just a. It's emblematic of the year in general. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know. Of course, it's like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just fascinating. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Uh, all right, well, are we ready to get into the show, man? Uh, yeah, I am down. I think that's okay. enough kibitzing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to guess anybody. We lose too many people because we're talking sports and stuff. So, um, but yeah, we got a lot to we like a lot to get into today. Uh, mm-hmm. We got a great, awesome list here. Was this a one that we came up with? This suggestion from somebody? No, this is from uh, Patreon. This is our boss hog for the month. Okay, it's the uh, top ten best movies under ninety minutes. That's uh, an hour and thirty or mm-hmm. under. Um, and do we know who suggested this topic to us, Matt? At this point, or do we have? Yes, I've got it right okay. in front of me. Great. Who who is it? From uh, James Leggett. Oh, thank you, James. All right. And uh, he just, he's ready to roll with his list. Just jumps right. I guess he's got a postscript to throw on there, but nothing up top. All right. But yeah, it was his choice. So he put it out and, you know, he sent it to us and we both went, hey, that looks fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started looking into it. And technically, I would say there's minimum of almost six figure movies that would fit technically into this category. If you go to IMDb and you just look. Right. If you search for 90 minutes and under there's, I mean, so many tens of thousands. It's ridiculous. Technically. I'm sure Uh, if you jump back into thirties, forties and fifties, there's a crap ton of them that are under 90 minutes. But I'm just saying, if you want to set the cap from like, say 45 minutes to 90. Yeah. I would say 50,000 movies count. There's 50. Oh, right. I mean, think about that. Yeah. It's under 90. Where do you, where do you cut off saying (laughs) it's a movie? Because in 1910, like you could only have so much of those reels because they were a fire hazard if you collected too many in one area. It's true. So the movies were only so long. Yeah. It's like, well, technically, you know, the show pony from yeah. 1907 yeah. is valid because that was a movie in their time. I didn't do that, but it's yeah. like, fucking Christ, I didn't realize the Herculean task we had just set forth for ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah. So under that, like I tried to go... But, about 70, 75 to 90. Okay. Somewhere in there. All right. Maybe, maybe a little, you know, 65. I don't think so, but I tried to go 70, 75. Okay. 
I try to pick uh, movies that I I try to do the Matt Nost approach to this one. I try to pick movies that I didn't that we haven't talked about that much uh, that are some of my favorites um, and they run the gamut. And uh, I had a list of like like you I had a list like probably of like eighty to ninety movies that I because I just wrote the ones I liked and then from there really pared down the ones I really really liked and then from there the ones I actually want to talk about on the show. So uh, yeah, it's been an interesting experience to say the least to uh, to do this list. I, and I liked it. It was a nice challenge. We it is. We, and we don't get too many of these nowadays. Yeah, I matched uh, your flavor matching my flavor, which is I just chose ten random movies because. <laughs> Even random. going between right. 70 and 70, well, not random, but not yeah. the true topic, because it's like even 70 minutes to 90 minutes, we're still talking about a thousand movies. I cannot legitimately say I've seen 900 of those thousand, yeah. 800 of, yeah. I don't know, 600. So it's just like, this is, I can't do that technically. So I just was <laughs> like, well, you know what? We've never talked about this movie. I think we've only talked about this one once or twice. And I did the right. same thing. So we're talking about, it sounds like, we're talking about all kinds of different, maybe 20 different movies. Yeah, it might be. And so this will be interesting when we put it all together. I have a feeling there'll be a lot of coins being flipped yeah. uh, for this particular uh, list that we're putting together. So, um, all right. Uh, if we're ready to go, Matt, do you want to tell them how the show works? Sure. Once uh, James gave us that sweet topic, we went our individual ways and created personal top 10. Let's show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Um, all right. Um, start us off, my man. All right. At 10, I've got pie. Oh, good choice. Yep. Not on my list, but great choice. It is. a. have only seen it once. Okay. But it sticks with you. It's like a Requiem or it's like a, just a weird, I can still go through the arc of the movie. So it's a guy uh, trying to discover, you know, he thinks there's a hidden meaning within Pi. And then all these, there's a religious people that come in and think that Pi actually is the name of God. So that's why you have to keep calculating. And there's another group that comes in. And everybody has their ideas of what Pi's meaning is. Right. And it, it drives him loonies. Uh, loony, rather. So it's just this weird kind of build, and it's got a interesting pace. This is what this announced Oranovsky, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so I didn't see it until I'd seen two or three of his others. I had heard of it, but I'd never seen it. Right. And then I watched it, and I was like, man, that is really strange. Like, highbrow concept, well executed. It's got an art house feel, but it doesn't feel like, you know, student film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just really good. Plus, I don't think we've ever talked. Maybe once. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it's like Pi and Following and Cube. Those three were right around the same time. One announcing Aronofsky, the other announcing Nolan. And I can't remember who did Cube. But those were like kind of these kind of like, you know, first forays into these into the world of theatrical releases from these young directors. And Pi was such an interesting watch and following being black and white as well. Like very interesting watch as well. So overall, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed pie and I like Aronofsky as a director. He's not always, yeah, you know, you know, not always nails it, but he certainly challenges you as a viewer. He's not a guy that's going to make like a million, you know, like seven, 20, $30 million off a movie himself, but he challenges you as, as a viewer and you can hate him or like him, but I like the fountain. And I know a lot of people don't, they find it pretentious or nutty, but I enjoyed the fountain. All right. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think Ornofsky is hit and miss for me. Yes. Uh, I agree with that. But his it, mother was nuts. Yeah. 
Yeah, but at least he's making choices. Even if I don't like the movie, it's like, well, he had a strong vision and idea as to what he was doing. I still have faith in him going forward. Right. Which right. every movie he makes may not be for me, but you've already made some that are engaging, very yeah. interesting, uh, visually unique to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I'll ride with him again. Yeah, because Requiem for a Dream, a lot of people, like, it's a difficult movie to watch, but it's damn good. It is damn good. The Wrestler is really good, in yep. my opinion. Black Swan is good. Sure. Um, I'll even defend Noah, to be honest with you. I enjoy watching Noah. Uh, he took some swings on that one. Yeah, I know. It's not for everybody. It's not good, though. <laughs> I mean, say so. I, it I, like it. it's not, I saw it in the theater, man, mm. and uh, that was not good. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right. What's your number nine, man? Uh, my number nine is uh, Monster Squad. Oh, good choice. Nice, nice. I think it's the 80s, right? 80s or 90s classic? Yeah. Late, late 80s, early 90s. But um, I discovered it when it was on VHS. I didn't I didn't know. And it felt oh, like okay. I thought it was going to be a shitty like knockoff. You know what I mean? Like a Mac right. and me level production type of thing. Right. Uh, and I just happened. It was on cable or something. Or maybe it was the VHS. But it was around that, that time. Yeah. And I watched it. And I was like, that was so good. So good. You take all these monsters from the past. You got Dracula, you got werewolf and all that, but to, to make it feel fresh and still, it doesn't feel like, like stale, tired cliches. Uh, and it's just these kids that have to fight all of the universal monsters. that you know, Tom Cruise tried to set up for himself and just couldn't pull off. Yeah. They did it in one movie. Those, you know, badasses <laughs> but i think it's all in there yeah i think it translates so if you wanted to watch it with your 10 12 year old whatever they would enjoy it and the parent would enjoy it along with uh, yeah. i don't know how often i go back for it now but i would not watch it again you know what i mean yeah 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 a lot of people love this movie a lot of people reference this movie i know as one of these classic 80s films and um shane black was the co-screenwriter for this uh so kind of interesting thing on his resume as well not a lot of names necessarily in the no. cast i mean john grease is in the cast who some of you may know from napoleon dynamite and about a million other films that he's been in uh but yeah what you talk about there with uh, uh dracula and frankenstein's monster creature from the black lagoon uh van helsing's in this thing the mummy so so many of these classic characters and it's fun it's a fun it film uh and yeah at times does it feel dated sure but the energy of it is is timeless and when you watch it it's a blast to get to kind of see it for the first time or revisit it. You know, I enjoy it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the Goonies fights monsters, but better. Yeah. No, better than the Goonies. Yeah, It's I not agree. better than the Goonies. I think that's what you're saying. I think that's what you're saying. That's fine. We established long ago that you were dead inside whatever part of you that, that should have captured the magic of true cinema that is supposed to Whoa. spark life into the viewer especially in that of someone under the age of i don't know 18 or 16 sure, or sure. in the magic i was much younger but i think the range upon first viewing is just as effective for all those sure, uh, sure. so you know we are we are tiny but mighty uh crew of people who enjoy good cinema and goonies does not fit our our, our criteria but fair fair i might be dead inside uh for that movie that's for sure <laughs> Some guy tries to defend Transformers. Hey, hey this isn't a racist uh, piece of shit. Or I didn't say that. I didn't say that. That second one is racist. I th I've said this a million oh, yeah. times. I don't like that second one. What about Age of Extinction? How do you defend 
that China. Movie. That was them just trying to make money, man. That's a studio. One that's of not, many choices. In that's that not movie. a Michael Bay situation. What about, what about the fucking Bud Light placement by Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> it was so gratuitous. He's perfectly holding the bottle. It's oh what do you guys? Don't worry, you're gonna make a billion dollars. Listen, Pepsi's all over Back to the Future. Give me a break. They there is product placement. Totally everywhere. fucking different, and you know it. Ow, it's all over the place. How? Because that wasn't the seventeenth in a line of billion dollar <laughs> franchise movies. That was the first. This has already literally made five billion dollars at the box office. You don't need it, you greedy fucks. Well, I mean, you know, if it works, it works. If it works, it works. Ah. <laughs> we just shot a lot of alien robots. Let me make sure that no matter where I turn, this the label stays perfectly. In so the what you're saying is if you're up 56 to 10 in the Super Bowl, you don't want to be throwing the ball. Is that what you're trying to say? If it's you're your winning by Super that much. Bowl in a row, yes. There are not even seven movies in that franchise. It was the th- it was the fourth one. Fine, fine. Your fourth <laughs> Super Bowl in a row. You um, don't need to pass. No, Take a knee. Yeah, but a listen, delay a game. Lose some want, yardage for the other team. I want this very clear. I don't defend these films as great cinema or anything like that. They're guilty pleasures and they're fun to watch. I know people hate them, but I just want to make sure that's clear. Some people come at me about criticism while they have like 10 Adam Sandler films that suck. And you're going to be like, oh, okay, you can come at me for Transformers. Give me a break. Everyone's got their guilty pleasures, for God's sakes. Come on. True. But comedy is subjective, whereas I think action films aren't as much. You think action films aren't subjective? What? As much. As Any much. film is subjective, for God's True. sakes. True. But I'm saying on the ones where you have like. You don't walk out of an action movie and go, I didn't see enough explosions. Whereas you walk out of a comedy going, I didn't laugh that much. Mm. If it doesn't get you, it doesn't get you for the whole fucking thing. Whereas an action movie could be like, you know what? It sucked in the beginning, but that last action sequence was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Godzilla, I'm not a fan of, but you know, if you were really into that final action, great. Good for you. Okay. All right. I just think that comedy is much more subjective. Uh, Anyway. say so. Anyway, so you're saying pass when you're up 57 nothing. All right. I'm not saying, well, yeah. I was because I'm, I'm saying if you're really if you don't want me to keep scoring on you, then stop me. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> I mean, it's just a weird parallel. <laughs> you're already making a, a factory film. It, it just seems to me like an odd story. thing to be upset about. You know they're gonna do it. Oh, it's one of many. It's the okay. China going to China. There's also the Chinese product placement, like Tucci needlessly. True. Holds that little juice box. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Like, oh, Jesus, you had to get money from the Chinese guys, too? <laughs> Listen, I hate to break it to you, but films aren't about art. They're about commerce. If they happen to be artistic, great. Right. But the goal is to make money so they can stay alive to make those artistic films. So for every product placement issue you have, yes. you'll get a interstellar or you'll get one of these more nuanced I don't, films I don't that mind. are funded. The product placement if it's not gratuitous and just ham fisted. All right. If they, if they subtly like in the middle, they, you know, exploded into a truck, but made the truck even more pivotal part of the scene. And then the end, like in, what is that? Guardians two, when Nebula eats the fruit, that's not ripe yet. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. If it's part of the scene and it's like this bottle going around and it hit Mark Wahlberg once or twice. And at the end, he like breaks the top or something, takes a drink, like gets out of it. It's been, 
an action piece within this, yes. Okay. If it's just this shameless breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where I find fault. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't mind the commerce. Just do it artfully, for Christ's sakes, Michael Bay. Artful commerce. Got it. All right. Yep. What's your what's your number eight? My number eight is the general. The Buster Keaton. Wow, nice choice, man. A little silent film. All right, go ahead. It fully holds up. Mm-hmm. If you were to go back and watch it now, there's genuinely a couple just they're straight sight gags. Yeah. But they make you you don't die laughing. But I genuinely chuckle to myself. Like that's a that's a good fucking joke. Yeah. And it's all the physicality of it. Yeah. And he managed to do it a couple different times, like in the beginning, in the middle, he's got like the sack and whatnot when he's got the girl in there. And then on the train later on, he's dealing with the, the soldiers that are trying to take him out. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah, because, you know, he's a Confederate general or a mm-hmm. Confederate wannabe soldier, by the way. Yeah. So, interesting choice. <laughs> uh, he wants to join, you know, fight those devil blue coats. But he's doing it to impress a girl because he's in love with a girl uh, and he sees that everyone else is signing up. So he wants to sign up and fight, but it's only to impress a girl, not because he has a one a political leaning one way or the other. It's just to impress a girl. And then he sees all the nuttiness of it all, you know. Well, yeah, he gets denied a couple of times because he works on the train, so he's too valuable, but they don't tell him that. Right. Uh, But yeah, I mean, because some silent films you go back for and you're like, wow, this is, you know. It's such broad strokes. Yeah. Because it has to be. This is a new medium. Right. You're trying to communicate and to still see like the subtle little bits and the great comedic timing mm-hmm. all these years later. Uh, you know, he's, yeah. it, he's, that's why he's one of the best. It genuinely, if you've never seen it, it's worth yeah. the watch. Yeah. I, I remember watching it for the first time, maybe three or four years ago on TCM. Um, cause I was like trying to make a run. I think it was after our metropolis episode that we did that Thunderdome episode. Okay. I was like, you know what? I need to watch some more of these silent films. So I started uh, like looking for them on TCM and then scheduling them to be recorded. And one of the ones I watched was the general and I, cause I'd never seen it before. And I was, this is actually damn good. It's not even black and white. It's more sepia tone than black and white. Um, and it's very interesting to watch what he does and remember, this is at that time where they weren't like, well, where's my stunt double? Where's let's let's really map out this stunt to like fully and try it a hundred times before we film it. This like yeah. they had to shoot these films quick. So they're coming up with these stunts and seeing if they can pull them off. And it's madness to see how close they come to to hurting themselves or to breaking stuff or whatever. And there are there, I think they've released at times some behind the scenes stuff where you've seen some messed up mm-hmm. takes or you've seen them mess. And you're just like, Holy shit. It's like, why is the Jackie, J- Jackie Chan stuff? Yeah. When you see the messed up takes in the, uh, in the end credits. You're just like, what? it's a miracle. These people live. It's a miracle. With some of the yeah. stuff they come up with. I I've seen a breakdown of what everything they had to do to make that Buster Keaton where he f- tries to jump between roofs or does oh, he fall yeah. out the window and he yeah. goes down and hits the three canopies. Cause that's a legit stunt. Yeah. So how do they do that? They've got a few, like that one where he grabs onto the car. He right. had to have a metal hook and a harness on him because otherwise it would tear your arm out of socket. Yep. Even still, with the metal harness, it's going to jostle your body like oh, fucking totally. crazy. And that's one of 10 amazing comedic stunts that he does. Dude, yeah. he's, it's impressive when you go back and watch. Yeah. The general doesn't have his, those huge ones like he's done in others. 
uh, I think some of the best comedy is more of the subtle, at least by silent film standards, subtle stuff. Right, right. But yeah, it's when the, the best of that era is genuinely, you can go back for it. Yeah, yeah. The Harold Lloyd Safety at Last, that's an awesome one. Who's climbing that clock when he's climbing on the clock? I've that's only incredible. seen that part of it. I've never seen oh, the whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing's got it. I mean, that's the most famous one of they, but there's the whole thing has an insane amount of stunts. When he's actually climbing the building, when he's going through the building, like there's so many stunts in safety yeah. at last. I think there are more stunts in the Keaton stuff and in uh, the Harold Lloyd stuff than there are necessarily in Charlie yeah. Chaplin stuff. Chaplin was more about like the story itself and yeah. the stunts were in addition to the story. But uh, with these, a lot of these, the stunts are really a huge part of the story. So, it's, you know, I, I appreciate that very much. Um, all right. So that was your eight. Okay, so then my number 10 is uh, Rope, the Alfred Hitchcock film. Okay, great yeah. choice. Love this film. It's slowly become one of my favorite Hitchcock films, A, because it's shot like a, a play. In essence, it's shot, uh, I think most of it is shot in one take, um, and uh, it's an incredible uh, exploration of the arrogance of two young guys who uh, test their professor. They invite him to a party, and James Stewart plays the professor. They invite him to the party, They've killed someone and put that person inside a chest of drawers and one of these guys, or a trunk rather, and, and they've laid like a, a I don't know, can, a, a cover over top of it and yep. put like food or candles on. So they're tr one of the guys uh, is trying uh, to, because he's a bit of a sociopath, he's getting joy or a psychopath really since he killed, he's getting joy out of trying to outsmart his uh, teacher and the other kid is losing his mind uh, mm -hmm. and he's trying to like leave little hints to see if James Stewart can catch on. And then it becomes a cat and mouse game throughout this dinner party where other people are showing up. There's a girlfriend here that shows up uh, and all of that goes on with her. So, so much about this film. It's a tight, I think is 70 some minutes. Uh, but throughout, you're just like waiting for him to, ca to catch on to what's happening. Then once he catches on to what's happening, you're watching them play games with each other throughout these psychological mind games. Uh, almost a, almost a, a uh, what we call it, a, a, a horror of manners, a mystery of manners, because okay. no one's flat out saying it, but they're all alluding around it in crafty ways until they get to that end. So I, I really enjoyed it. Hitchcock did a great job with this one. I I already knew all that about it. I haven't seen it, mm. but I've heard it discussed and the, yeah. the shooting style and whatnot. Cause isn't that the one where he tried to do it? In, well, it's made to look in one take. Yeah. made to look like all in one take. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got very specific cut points, but it's these mm -hmm. long extended scenes between, I know quite a bit about it. I just, I haven't seen it. Yeah. All right. I, I going through this, that was one I came across and I was like, uh, you know what? Um, one day, one day <laughs> i got nothing of, against it it's just no, it's no. one of many movies that i just haven't seen yet it's one of those one day movies i totally get that i have those too i have like a list of those yeah yeah like, someday I'll get one day to. i will it's not a, yeah i want to yeah. yeah the other thing about the film that i think is brilliant is the, the name rope uh makes so much sense because that's what it feels like that you're when you're watching it you're in the tension it feels like the rope tightens around your neck as you're watching the film as it goes along because you start to really get into the tension of it all uh, and almost like, you know, losing your breath a little bit to what's happening. So yeah, good stuff there overall. All, all right, right. Then my, my number nine is uh slow West. Okay. Yeah. Good choice. One of, one of my favorite Westerns that have come out in the last 10, 15 years, just really enjoy this one uh, with uh, um, uh, Ben uh, Bender. 
Yeah, Michael Fassbender and Mendelssohn as the villain. Mendelssohn, yeah. Yeah, and the hound is in this thing as the father of the girl that the main That's kid. It. The kid, he's been in a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, I think it's Cody Smith McPhee is the kid's yes. name. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, so um, he is great in the film. Really enjoy uh, what he brings to it yeah. and the journey he goes on. Because it's like it's a journey that isn't necessarily going to lead to a happy ending uh, if, you know, if things are to if you're watching it, you don't know if it's going to end in a happy ending. So you're on a knife's edge throughout the whole film and it takes its time. Uh, it takes its time getting to where it's going to get to. He's an Irish kid. He's going after this girl. He's in love with this girl. Uh, Karen yeah. Pistorius plays the girl uh, and he goes through all this weird stuff to try and get to her. Uh, and by the end, I'm not going to ruin it, but by the end, a lot of stuff happens uh, to him and to Michael Fassbender, who he picks up kind of along the way to yes. help him on this journey. Wow. And then, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Yeah, you can't really say. I mean, I want to talk about one of my favorite scenes in it, but it's just like I don't want to spoil the movie because nobody saw. Right. It's not really a spoiler, but it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like, you know what? It It is a lot of fun. I um, I just don't. I saw it. I don't think it captured the same amount of magic it did for for you. I wish it yeah. had. Mm -hmm. I loved yeah. Fastbender in it. I mean, I yeah. loved Fastbender in it, but I understand why he's you know not the primary. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'm always on the hunt for new and interesting westerns, and I put this in the pile with the proposition, with um, um, salvation, mm. with uh, the mo uh, with the ballad of Buster Scruggs and uh, and the assassination of good. Jesse James. Huh? Ba uh, Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Surprisingly good. I yeah. saw the trailer for that and I was like, that looks terrible. And then I watched <laughs> it and I was like, this is great. Yeah. Incredibly unusual stuff. I mean, if you yeah. keep a genre alive and there've been so many great classic Westerns, you got to find new ways to have fun within the genre. And I feel like uh, slow West does because slow West is exactly its title. It takes its damn time, even though it's uh, like an hour and 28 or hour and 27 minutes the movie it takes yeah. its time getting to where it's going so it asks you as a viewer to just kind of enjoy spending time with these characters as you go their sisters brothers that's another one that just came out that or brother sisters whatever his name is with john c Riley and uh okay. joaquin phoenix that's another one that i is a completely unusual western uh yeah i like that well. movie that was good mm -hmm. i haven't thought about that since wow since i saw it or right around that time yeah 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 i can see why it didn't resonate for everybody but that was fun Right, and I hardly made any money, but it's, yeah. it was damn good. All right, then my number eight um, is a is the French film Breathless, which is uh, one of my favorite okay. uh, films uh, ever made. Uh, such a fantastic, uh, uh, just uh, it's a conversational film. Uh, you know, this guy he's uh, broken the law and he's on the run in Paris, and he hooks up with this uh, girl, and 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 they walk around Paris and have this relationship around Paris as they get to know each other. Uh, he, he's a thief who steals a car, then he kills a policeman. So it's not a strong, like it's not a guy you necessarily want to be uh, having as your protagonist. But for whatever reason, it works, and he he taught he hooks up with this American uh, and they uh, who is Gene Seberg, who they just did a film about. That Kristen Stewart was in playing the character of Gene, uh, playing the actress Gene Seinberg. Not a good film, but this film is incredible. It's one of my, it's yeah. my favorite Jean Luc Godard film. And uh, I'm not a big, I'm not always the biggest fan of some of these uh, uh, French new wave uh, directors, but I do enjoy Breathless and I do enjoy the conversations they're having, not just about man woman relationships, but about the world and about what's happening. Remember, this is 19, what, 50, 
what year is this? 1960. So 1960, around the cusp of okay. all this change that's coming, the nuclear war, uh, the, I mean, the nuclear, uh, you know, the Cold War that's happening, all the stuff that's going to be coming up here in the 60s. But it comes at a certain time. And so if you haven't seen Breathless, I can't encourage you enough to watch it. Some great di- dialogue, great scenes, twists and turns throughout. Uh, and it's a criterion. It's one I own. It was one of the first ones I ever bought. Um, and it's great, just great film uh, that takes its time as well. Um, and uh, don't see the the remake with Richard Gere. That is not good. So, okay. You ever seen this one? Nope. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Jean-Paul Belmondo plays the lead, who's a very well-known French actor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, check it out. <laughs> That's what I can tell you. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> All right. What's your number seven, man? Uh, seven is Dale and Tucker versus Evil. Oh, nice choice, dude. Uh, nice choice. I've, yeah, I've only put it on one list that I know of. Okay. Uh, so, out of nowhere, just an excellent... It's kind of what really helps you like even Alan Tudyk even more. Because mm-hmm. he has all these different types of characters. He is a chameleon on some level. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait till... Eventually, he's going to get a meaty Oscar role. And he's going to win an Oscar. Yeah, maybe. I genuinely someday. think so. Sure. Yeah. Uh, even if it's a supporting. It's, right. It, because he's transformed into so many different people. Sometimes he plays an idiot, which he plays an idiot with a heart. Yeah. He's not fully an idiot in this one. You know, he's smart in his own capacity. Right. Uh, and his friend. Uh, uh, yeah, just these teenagers show up. It's the, it's a comedy of errors. They look so intimidating. The te- teenagers are freaked out, but they're really just kittens. And yeah. the one dude, the, the non-Alan Tudyk, wants nothing more than just like to befriend them. He's a big dog mm-hmm. and they view him as a predator. Uh, but just the tear, what kills me, what slays me is at one point, it, I think believe it's Tudyk and he's just cut through a log that has bees in it. Mm-hmm. And then he is running afterwards with the chainsaw because the bees are chasing him and the kids happen to show up and they already think that, that they're creepy. They yeah. like kind of show up at their cabin, but it's not, a cheap coincidence type of thing. Mm -hmm. And the kids are already running because one of them inadvertently got staked. Like once again, it's just plausible. So one of the guys is running and then Tudyk is running next to him and he's got the the chainsaw and the kid is running from him because he thinks it's Tudyk and Tudyk is like running next to him. Like it's bees, man. Like, (laughs) but it's the look on the face. It's the comedic timing. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a well thought out, executed, simple, yet smart comedy horror. Right. Uh, really good. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't cool. seen it, go check it out. <laughs> Isn't is Tyler Labine in this one? Is that Tyler Labine? Is that is it, it the heavy set guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, usually has a five o'clock yeah. shadow or like a slight beard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy's funny because I remember him on that show Reaper. He was very funny on Reaper. The show was on like a year and a half or something on CW. Okay. Um, all right. What's your six? My six is Attack the Block. Oh, good choice, man. Great choice. I, I I thought we had spoken about it before a couple of times, so okay. I left it off the list. But if 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 uh, yeah, it's good you put it on the list, man. That's great. Right. Great. Choice. I can only think of one. It was instead of a. I know it's one, maybe two. I think it's two. I don't think three. All right. So Fair. in five years and change of shows, yeah, yeah that's that's fine. Yeah, totally. Uh, but maybe there's more. You know, it's not like either of our memories are perfect at this point. <laughs> that's fair too. So yeah. Someone can point it out. Actually, it's been seven episodes. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, seven from which you've said. Yeah. 
<laughs> and God bless you if you do it. I'd love to know what they are. Yeah. Because uh, I couldn't tell you with a gun to my head. Um, so Let's Attack the Block, it's, it's uh, the aliens themselves are somehow simultaneously awful and amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you think they're going to trend awful and the little hook they have with them with the teeth is yeah. so effective that it's uh, now it's f- completely flipped into this is actually pretty fantastic. Yeah. You got uh, what? Nick Frost, John Boyega's first ma- movie. Yeah. Couldn't tell you who else is in it. I think there's at least one or two other names. Jodie Whittaker is in it, who's okay. the current Doctor Who, the female yeah, Doctor yeah, yeah. Who. She's in she it. was a yeah. doctor that tries to yes, like. Uh, right. Yep. Somebody comes in hurt or something, and then she ends up down at that block. And then Nick Frost is a middleman for a weed grower, and he just yeah. sells weed, and he's kind of friends with the kids. He's just kind of big galoot. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, he's Baloo in essence from Jungle Book. Yeah, yeah. Except a stoner version. I think Joe uh, Wright is the director on this one. Am I right on that? That I don't know. Okay, okay. I'm pretty sure it's the guy who did the church, or the the one that Gary Oldman won the Oscar for, the Churchill film. Uh, oh, really? Hour, I think. Let me see here. <laughs> the Darkest Hour. You know the first Darkest Hour. First two three things I was like, uh, just anything I couldn't come up with Darkest Hour in that short <laughs> little amount of time, and I made up like three titles in my head. And then you said Darkest Hour, and I was like, I'm an oh, idiot. No, I'm wrong. Attack the block. It was not Joe Wright. So who is the? Um, let me see. He did. Oh, it was Joe Cornish. Sorry, Joe Cornish, Joe Cornish. not Joe Ryan. I knew it was Joe. So, um, let's see what he's done as a director. Uh, not much, <laughs> not much at all. He didn't do anything for five years directing wise, then did The Kid Who Would Be King last year. Um, Ooh. yeah, I heard that was good though. Yeah, true, true. I mean, for well, what it is, I heard it was good, just nobody saw it, right? Uh, he wrote. Um, Adventures of Tintin, the screenplay for that, and Ant Man as well. So, okay, well, he's got a career then. Yeah, he's got something he's working on. He's also an actor. He was in, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, all right, all right. This guy works uh, as a producer, he's done soundtracks. Wow, all right. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I like this film a lot. It's, it was a surprise. I remember going to see it in a theater and, uh, cause I, cause I was at that time where I was could go sneak out, watch these independent films. Dude, dude, there was a time in my life where before, you know, everything, everything got crazy and all these shows where I'm just going on, a, on Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday afternoon, uh, you know, cause I had the day off or whatever and go catch these independent films and just have a really good time watching them. Um, I don't do that as much anymore. And certainly now. Uh, but like I miss those days of going and being just gave and going out and watching a movie and not have to worry about at least do I need to remember the actor, the director for the showdown and blah, blah, blah. I miss those days where I could just watch a movie and enjoy it and savor it and what have you. So um, Attack the Block was one of those ones. You know, I, there was maybe 10 people in the theater. I remember going to see it at the old Sunset Five before they did the remodeling and just sitting yeah. there and just having a great time watching that movie and enjoying John Boyega and enjoying Jodie Whittaker, who I obviously didn't. I only knew, I think I knew Jodie Whittaker because she'd been in that film Venus with Peter O'Toole. Other than that, I really didn't know. And I knew Nick Frost, obviously, but because yeah. of the Simon Pegg stuff, but I didn't know uh, Boyega, but he was great in the movie. And so yeah. overall, and there was, there's real tension in that movie. There's real horror kind of vibes to that movie, along with the, sarca- the sarcasm of uh, these kids yeah, these, from that situation. Yeah. The, yeah. These monsters mean business. <laughs> it's not just like a looming threat. You see them tear into some people. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so when they're cornering the kids and attacking them, yeah. there's some genuine tension and, and terror. It's like, wow. Yeah. This is, this is, you know, they're right at the line. 
of going yeah. too far. Because uh, then it takes it into like, well, maybe we shouldn't have cast so many kids in this movie if you're going to get that dark and gory. Right, right. Good point. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah. it's quality. So that that is okay. my number six. What do you got at seven? All right, let me see here. What I got at seven? Let me bring it up. Uh, Ghost in the Shell, the anime movie. Okay. Yeah. I've seen I mean, it once, though. So. Okay. One of my favorites. Barn on one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, it's about to come out on 4K. Uh, or no, actually, it is out on 4K. Sorry, that is out on 4K. Cinema Paradiso is about to come out in about a month on 4K. But that one is in 4K. I've got it. I ordered it the other day, so I'm waiting for it to come. And I can't wait to watch it. Ghost of Shell is one of those ones that I'm just like, I go back to all the time. I'm not a big anime person, not not because I have any issue with it. It's just not something I've jumped to necessarily. But I, sur- I certainly respect the hell out of anime and respect the hell out of the creators who are successful doing anime. I enjoyed that Batman anime that they did, which was madness. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Akira, of course, or Akira, however you want to say it. But Ghost in the Shell is the one that has my heart always because okay. I just really like the fact that it's a film that kind of takes uh, so it takes you on a journey here about this idea of like, who are you in your – are you the person – are you your body or are you the thing inside your body? How, how do you get uh, who controls what in this situation and what when you're solving the crime, when they're solving the crime with the with the general or and all of that, what she goes through, the visuals of it, the kabuki stuff that's in it. All of it is just so fascinating, the visuals. And then, of course, it becomes this like detective story. They're trying to figure out the, the uh, corruption within the corporation. It's to, so it's got Blade Runner vibes to it as well. Um, yep. And then Batu, who is there, who was his second uh, he he spins off. Oh, the, the general second spins off uh, into oh the major. I'm sorry, the major, not the general. The major second. He spins off into the sequel, Innocence, mm-hmm. where it's about him and his journey and what he's trying to figure out uh, and all that. But this one, this film, still works uh, for me visually, story wise. Okay. Uh, the acting, the voiceover, the Japanese uh, voiceover is fantastic as well. So it just resonates for me, man. I mean, uh, I believe. <laughs> I, mean, I believe I saw it in high school. Okay. It was All this right. and, and one or two others. Like uh, one friend had him on. He's like, hey, mm-hmm. you guys, you ever seen any of these? And we watched them, but he was the only one. And he wasn't right. really that hardcore into it. I think he got them from somebody else type of thing, but he enjoyed them. Yeah. Uh, so it's been so long that I don't really have an opinion at this point. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, there's a hacker. Um, they jump into this thing trying to figure out the hacker called the Puppet Master. What does it all mean? And then it okay. exposes what's going on with the overall corporation that's been taking over and doing all the tech here in the city. So just great stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, my number six then is, uh, and this is controversial. I know people are going to get upset, but I can't deny that I like this film. Uh, so if you are upset about me saying this person or this film, fine. Uh, it's Zelig, the Woody Allen film. Oh, okay. uh, I, I know people have, and I totally respect it. And I, and I certainly don't like some of the stuff outside of the realm of what he's done. Uh, but if we're going to talk, we're still revered Chinatown. I think there are some of the Woody Allen films that need to be revered mm, still yeah. as well. Um, true. Yeah. I mean, Zelig is a film that I thoroughly enjoy. It's incredibly funny. It works on so many levels because I'm not always the person that runs to Woody Allen films necessarily a nebbish guy complaining about the world while he's also having sex with these women who are way out of his league. Uh, I get that that's, you know, a little bit of the arrogance or the ego of the guy, no matter how self-deprecating he is, he does put these women in these films yes. that are above his, uh, uh, you know, out of his league or whatever in my mind. But the, with Zelig, it was about the exploration of how we as a society, or that, th- this guy is taken to the nth degree where he conforms to whoever he's around, right? It's this idea yeah. of like, 
it's the destruction of individualism in exchange for conformity so that you can feel comfortable in the world. Uh, and this was like the seventies where this idea of rebellion was really powerful coming out of the sixties and all that. But, but this idea of like this push to be like everyone else, this push to be uh, accepted by society overall, that if you were different or you were unusual, you were excommunicated. So this guy has a psychological condition, a mental condition that he's so afraid to not be accepted that he can physically alter his body to be anybody he's around. Um, okay. And like, there's a scene where he gets around these larger, older Hasidic Jewish people. And he's not, he's, he's obviously a Jewish guy, but he's like, he's skinny. He's gone. And then he all of a sudden, after they come back uh, after an hour, he's like put on weight and the curls have come in and he's wearing the hat. And it's just, it's just incredible. He has this physical ability to do it. Gets with a bunch of jazz musicians and this can get a little bit dangerous. He does become a, a black man and it's Woody Allen in blackface and doing the things that he's doing. But it's, a, it's, a, it's the overall point that it's about the conformity. This guy's self-esteem is so low that he is willing to conform to whatever's around him. And Mia Farrow plays this psychiatrist who's trying, who's documenting all of this and trying to figure out how to heal him so he doesn't feel the need to be this thing. And then they get into a relationship. They start falling, but then he starts conforming to be what she wants him to be. And now she has to confront the fact that she's making him or kind of inspiring him to do these things uh, to conform to what she thinks he should be so still she erases his individuality while she's trying to get him to embrace his individuality. So it's, it's a very interesting film, I think. And, and it, all of it done in under 90 minutes. So there you go. Yeah. Check it out. Today. <laughs> Yet another one Matt hasn't seen. All right, fine. Let's, let's jump into I won't watch, I've never watched any Woody Allen. It's kind of been a choice. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Yeah. I can understand that. I do. Once I hadn't seen a bunch, it's just like, I don't really care. It doesn't grab my attention. So. Right. Right. Okay. And then it turned out he's kind of, a, you know, he's a little strange. Yeah. For lack of a better term. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, um, so worked out in my favor. <laughs> All right. Where, where are we going with the number five, man? My number five is uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh, great choice, dude. Uh, take it away, man. That's two or three that could have made. Yeah. Um, and I also didn't include a chaplain. I figured I had a buster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I fair. thought about including a chaplain. You had options. Yeah. But Abbott and Costello, me, Frankenstein, I think it's when I genuinely fell in love with Abbott and Costello because I saw mm -hmm. him when I was a kid. I, I wasn't, you know, alive yeah. when they initially came out. Right. So I was the perfect age where the humor was second to none. I loved right. them. Uh, I think. Abbott and Costello might have been my favorite, and I like the Stooges. Yes, the Stooges are great. Yeah, yeah. never got into the Marx Brothers all that much, and then oh. Laurel and Hardy bits and pieces, but not really. Right. Uh, who else is there? Am I missing anybody? Um, of the comedic troupe of that arrow? No, Laurel and Hardy, the Marx Brothers. Yeah, no, that's everybody. Abbott and Costello, that's pretty much everybody, yeah. But anyway, I mean, just the... <laughs> <laughs> It's the comedy of errors of, of the magic of who's on first, which is vaudeville oh, just put on the celluloid. That's but incredible to do that in this, do a variation of, you know, uh, Costello keeps seeing Dracula early on and yeah. have it. Come on guy. Like <laughs> doesn't make sense. There's nothing in there. And Dracula gets out of the coffin, right? When, uh, uh, Abbott goes to look in it and Costello's like, I don't know what I'm seeing type of right. thing. And, right. um, uh, I, I, if you've never seen it, 
I don't. Do you think the humor would translate if you weren't? Oh, yeah. Indoctrinated to it. Already? I think I think slapstick comedy is always going to work, man. It's just a okay. matter of, you know, do you have an interest in seeing? Because some people are turned off by black and white movies, like. Uh, Makuga said he'll never watch a black and white movie. Like to him, it's like, well, if it's in black and white, it's not really my interest. And it's like, okay, yeah. I get that. Some people are like that. Some people aren't. Um, uh, if you have, if you, if that doesn't bother you, then I think, I think comedy is timeless. Great comedy is timeless. You know, like yes. a, a, a hundred years from now, am I going to listen to an, is, am I going to tell someone if I'm still alive, Hey, you got to listen to Eddie Murphy CD. You know, this is great. Yes. Absolutely. Why wouldn't it be? So there's a lot of comedy that's still timeless. The Marx Brothers stuff can be timeless, uh, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, I would definitely say if if, if you got interested in this kind this kind of comedy, which is vaudevillian comedy, you'll like it. Yeah, just I'd be interested in a hundred years if you didn't know what vaudeville type comedy was before you saw it and you walked into this, would you right. find this funny? I yeah. think so, but I don't know. Right. Right. Comedy yeah. evolved has evolved dramatically in the past hundred years. So yeah. where the hell is it going to be in the next hundred? Because we, you know, on a massive scale, this is kind of still a new art form. Yeah, true. Very true. Uh, uh, all right. That was your number five? Uh, yep. That was my five. Okay. Uh, my five is uh, what we do in the shadows. That's a punt. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Speaking of comedy. All right. What's your four? Uh, my four is airplane. Oh, yeah. My, I, I don't love it as much as other people do, oh, but dude. I totally get why people do. Yeah. When it's good, it's excellent. Okay. Are there parts that I agree with you that I don't care about? <laughs> like, yeah. Almost uh, everything with the pilot, all his backstory and the flight attendant, yeah. I don't really connect or care. Oh, okay. So, okay. Got it. Okay. But it's all the jokes they cram in left and right the luau sender oh aka God. kareem abdul jabbar i don't know we're breaking scene. the fourth wall great scene you tell your dad if he had to drag four bums up and down the court every night he'd be tired on defense too i can't remember exactly what it is <laughs> yeah and it's even at the time like i you know i saw that and i, I fucking knew exactly who was you know kareem abdul jabbar was <laughs> just like wow what a condemnation of your teammates at that time but it gave us you know leslie nielsen as a comedic actor but he's yeah. the ultimate straight man and all this and just the timing is and then all the stupid punch in the Hare Krishna's the, <laughs> what would never happen in a uh, movie now the yeah. the jive scene be cool blood yeah. never in a million years would nope. you shoot that can't get away with that now you could but it's not I don't take it that scene as as talking down or making fun of. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, that's not one of the scenes I have an issue with. I think it's great. And when they bring it back in the sequel, because that's the only funny part of the sequel is I when they care. go to the court. That's the only funny part of the sequel because uh, they, yeah, they start I to talk some sequel. more drive. Yeah, the sequel's terrible. I hated it. But Whereas, I mean, it was brilliant to have Mrs. Beaver, the Beaver's mom, yeah, come in there. The cleanest of clean. Cut me some slack, Jack. <laughs> yeah, the whitest of white. Yeah, exactly. just mayonnaise on Wonder Bread. <laughs> Say, Big Mama, Big Mama, don't tell me no sack. Don't take no crap. <laughs> Cut me some slack. Yeah, I mean, Jack. it's good. It's great. You can tell they rehearsed it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They have such great timing between the three of them. Yeah. It's just a nice little piece of acting in the middle of this really. Smart, stupid comedy. Yeah, that's a great description, Matt. It is a smart, stupid yeah. comedy. Yeah. 
It's not trying to reinvent the wheel, but at the same time, if it's going to make the joke, it's going to try and make this vulgar joke as smart as it possibly can. Yeah. Or a gag in a way you've never seen, like sitting on the little girl's IV bag. Which you keep, <laughs> <laughs> and then just playing that song. What is it? A missionary? A nun or something? <laughs> yeah, it's a nun. It's a nun. Yeah, playing it, thinking she's helping this fucking <laughs> Julie Andrews type <laughs> character, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it just... Yeah, when it works, it so works. Yeah, and then in other parts, it's terrible. Yeah, I mean but, the whole we're all they're all standing in line to hit the woman with a, like a lead yeah. pipe and all and that's that can't work nowadays. But the jazz scene when they're all playing whatever in the cockpit, that's kind of funny. Okay, um, yeah. so I like that and the chicken thing. The autopilot. Yeah, blowing up the autopilot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's uh, the thing. It's a certain, you know, it's a certain kind of humor, yeah, and who knows how moment. much of that would transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not. Certainly, it's not. It's not because it's not funny. I just don't love it as much as other people do. But I totally yeah. get why people love it. You know, we covered yeah. it on the Cinephiles with Mance, and Mance and, and Steve just absolutely loved the film. You know, and I was one guy that was wasn't quite as into it as they were. But yeah, yeah it's so. got moments that yeah. you're like they. But I think overall, uh, anyway, so yeah. that's my number four. Okay. Uh, my four is a, a Rashomon from Akira Kurosawa. Okay. A sure. classic uh, film, one best uh, international feature at the Oscars at that time. But yeah, that's the film. I mean, like, I, it's not my, like, it's not in my top five Kurosawa films, but in terms of 90 minute films, it's in there for me okay. uh, because it is, uh, it's a masterwork from him and uh you know this idea of this uh uh peasant who rapes a, a woman of of honor and then uh the husband gets upset about it. so like the, and they all go to this person to tell the story of what happened and each one tells the story differently and the judge has to make the decision about who's telling the truth and it's of course become a classic thing people say oh it's a rashomon situation where yeah. you know the he said she said type of thing and it's very interesting what's explored in the film and you're challenged as a viewer uh to see which of the retellings do you believe and which of the retellings seems right to you and then you're like, well if i like this retelling that means i have to think this way about the other person but what if there are elements about it? Wait, I think this is my view. So it's a, it's a constant uh, mm -hmm. thing in your brain as you're watching the movie about who you who you uh, champion, who you go along with. Yeah. And we've seen films, countless films copy this afterwards and countless TV uh, series have an episode where they're recounting this or are following this as well. And uh, yeah. so it's it's great, great act. Toshiro Mufuni is fantastic in the film, uh, you know, leading a great stable of actors in it. And Kurosawa does some great work with this and great writing on this as well. But I love that intrigue of trying to piece the, together the film and what you've been yeah. shown. And yeah. You, you know, look, it Memento's come up a lot lately. Oh, that yeah. Is that movie. Yeah. 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 You're, by different retellings and different occurrences, you're trying to, and you still don't know exactly. Yeah. So you have to kind of make your own decision. I think to the nth degree, it would be another Nolan with Inception. Mm hmm. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah trying yeah. to determine what is reality and what is not. It's a Nolan staple. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a good movie. I haven't seen it in so long. Oh, really? Okay. Like, as you were talking about, it, I was like, oh yeah. And then there's this, that, and the other. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw it. <laughs> yeah, you're hearing four perspectives because you're hearing it from the bride's point of view that she was raped, the samurai husband who's been killed by this bandit. You hear mm -hmm. his tale as a ghost. Uh, and then you have this woodcutter who's kind of outside the three. So you have an, you have in essence 
an outside opinion of what's of what the what happened. So uh, it all four uh, things are told. So it's Groundhog Day, same thing, right? It's going back in time to kind of like you know whatever. There's an element of that with the Rashomon situation too. It's going back to tell a certain uh, storyline, to have a certain storyline be the truth for him or for whatever yeah. he creates. You know, so there's all of that in here. It, it, if you haven't seen Rashomon and you've heard people talk about it uh, on, ad nauseum, and you're like, well, I've heard it. No, no, no. You got to watch the movie. The movie is really well done. And uh, you'll, if you have never seen a Kurosawa film. That's a great one to start off with as well. Look, Seven Samurai's three hours. Some people can't do a three-hour black and white film. Yeah, that's true. So give this one a chance. It's an hour and uh, twenty-eight minutes. Uh, you can get through that, you know, yeah. quickly. So yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Um, all right, brother, what's your three? Uh, my three. Um, I don't think this has come up on many lists. Okay. Surprisingly, uh, Stand by Me. Great choice, dude. Yeah, I don't did, think it's did, come up on much, man. Yeah, did Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think it made the coming of age show mm-hmm. that we did way back. And then I couldn't tell you what else we potentially could have, you know, used it for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I found that across and I was like, wow, I don't surprisingly, I don't think we have really talked about this movie, which yeah. you get, you know, it's a uh, river Phoenix before he passed and he was on his ascension and you've got, yeah. Uh, Jerry O'Connell looking unrecognizable. Corey Feldman during a string of pretty impressive movies. Yeah. Uh, and then fourth kid I'm blanking on. I can visualize his face. He was oh. in a million movies. Well, you're talking about uh, Will Wheaton? Yeah. The kid from Star Trek Next Generation? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Kiefer Sutherland makes a small role. You got uh, Richard Dreyfus on the voiceover. Yeah. Uh, you know, recalling think- the tale. Was yeah, it I think, Will Wheaton? I don't. I don't. Think yeah, Will Wheaton's, the, Will Wheaton's the main kid with River Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, I'm trying to think if Casey Shamasco's in this one as well. Yeah, Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, Casey Shamasco's in this as well. That's pretty much uh, all the people besides Richard Dreyfuss, obviously. Oh, John Cusack's in this. He has a small part in this as well. I didn't oh, remember yeah. John was in this thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because it focuses. So primarily on the kids and what they're going through, and it's just yeah. they go out for an afternoon and have a fifties Huck Finn like adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They almost get hit by a train because they're walking on train tracks, and they go to see a dead body, and right. it's more about the overall arc of the four individuals and like all yeah. the angst and emotions and and everything they're going through at home and stuff. Yeah. It's one of my uh, favorites for sure from the eighties, Rob Reiner directing this thing. And mm-hmm. um, it's based on that novella, the body. Um, so shout out to them for, for expanding out the novella to be such an interesting coming of age story. And it's one of these coming of age stories that like in the eighties, this stuff was happening. You know, p- kids were, I, I know it happens to every generation. Right. But in the eighties amidst all this like fun stuff, like back to the future and all this there was also some more darkness that happened in the eighties. A lot, a lot of issues with uh, father son relationships, a lot of issues with parents and the kids, like the anger, the frustration, the, and because they used to, you know, back in the eighties, you could spank your child with a belt, with a switch, with whatever, a wooden spoon. It wasn't unheard of. And of course you had uh, parents who, or, or fathers who were dealing with uh, PTSD from Vietnam war and 
Agent Orange and all of that. So there's a, a darker element to this movie. Plus, they're going to find a dead body. So yeah. this is not your standard coming of age film. Was like, oh, do I get to kiss the girl? How do I? Think? This is real, like it's a different side of that grittiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever? Uh, did your parents ever keep you in line with an object? Oh, sure. Oh, please, that was st- not my mom. My mom never did that, but. My dad, oh yeah, the the whipping on the, with the belt, absolutely. That was a uh, part of the upbringing when you uh, got out of line. He wasn't abusive, like it wasn't like burning sure. cigarettes on my arm or anything. But he was a standard parent, and, and for my dad, if you lied or you spoke out of turn or you were um, a smartass, you got the smack in the face or you got the belt, you know. And so um, I had a few of those spankings, you know. And I would say nine tenths of them were warranted. I would say nine tenths were warranted, right. but but to my father's credit, at fifteen years old, when he tried to do it, and it had no effect on me, and I grabbed his wrist because by that point I'd been lifting weights and I was strong. I said to him, "I was like, you got to stop doing this. This is no way to communicate with us. We don't listen. We're just we just build up anger at you for doing to us. So whatever lesson you're trying to teach us, we don't actually learn the lesson. We do it because you told us to do it, but we don't learn the lesson." And to my dad's credit, he actually listened mm. to me and then he stopped doing it after 15 years old. He stopped doing it. And we actually would, he would get, still get upset. We'd have fights, verbal fights, yeah. but we, um, but he wouldn't put his hands on me anymore. So, you know, it's to his credit. He listened, you know, so not a lot of dads probably would. True. In that day and age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I know a lot of people who, who like, grow up as a standard thing. I don't know. Did you have that? Did you get any weapons ever? Uh, my dad spanked me. And the only object my mom liked to use was the, the butt of a pistol. What the just fuck? Right <laughs> across the temple. Oh, good. You know, good. It's good to joke about abuse. That's good. What's right your next across the joke? Temple. <laughs> it's no joke, man. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I got Picasso eyes and one sits about six <laughs> inches higher than the other. And it was from my, my skull was still soft. And my mom just, a 32 just caving it in right it was just one it was one swing she she wasn't malicious oh that's fair that's fair. and it was just no nah, my dad would spank me and that was it and i only chose my mom because she doesn't listen to the show so oh, good good my dad does so hopefully he chuckles at that and then uh rightly frowns like that's not funny matt Matthew, don't uh, tell you don't tell people i did that i remember once like that 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 dynamic shift in power that you're talking about with yeah dad, yeah yeah I had one with my brother and he came back from college and I had been lifting and I went to pin me down, put both his knees on my arms. Yeah. So they were flayed butterfly, like kind of over my head. Uh, but I'd already been lifting at Gold's for like five months, two, three times a week. I put in the work. Yeah. And he was going to, you know, whatever, do some annoying thing he'd done his whole life. And I, I was able to press him up and I started pushing him off of me like that. <laughs> and it, the look on his face of, Oh shit! <laughs> Just like yeah, 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 yeah. That shit doesn't happen around here anymore. Type of thing. <laughs> Those days are over, pal. Exactly. Those days. I just remember. I was like, I'm strong enough to. I started doing it. It's like I am strong enough to do this. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a little bit of that. Like <sighs> I'm pushing you off. <laughs> Felt so good. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, those are great moments in in life. Those are also coming of age moments, you know. So yeah. Um, and this is this one has a sad end to it too, as well. When you hear, the, especially when you when what happens, to River Phoenix happens uh, later on a few years yeah, later. So, thereafter, yeah, it has a, a strong yeah. resonance with that as well. It's kind of it's a fun melancholy movie. Yes, agreed, agreed. 
And if you grew up at a certain time, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a film that you can understand. And even if you didn't, there's a universality to it about friends coming together at a certain age who kind of drift apart uh, yeah. later on in life. But that adventure will always be a memory they have. You know? Yeah. Um, all right. That was your three. Yep. Okay. So then my three is a uh, fantastic Mr. Fox. Great choice. I, I mean, I know we don't talk about it a lot. I don't think, but um, I just had to put it on the list. There's another one too coming that I had to put on the list uh, for me. Uh, but uh, this one is just—I don't know, man. It's—it's. It's, I, I hesitate to call it my favorite Wes Anderson one, but I will say it's the one I put on the most of all the Wes Anderson films. Is fantastic, Mr. Fox. I just really enjoy the animation. I enjoy the voiceover work from Clooney and Meryl Streep and Schwartz, Schwartzman and Bill Murray and a number of other people, Michael Gambone. It's great. Plus, again, the story of the underdog Fox being hunted down by these corporations and him trying to, you know, kind of steal his piece of the pie or his existence. Uh, uh, but then also him having to learn that his old ways of doing things have to change. Yeah. He has to be more understanding of his son. He has to understand that his wife, I mean, that scene with him and Meryl Streep, uh, when they're in the sewer and she's telling him that you better do this and you've got to make some changes here or else she's essentially saying, I'm going to leave you. And that really kind of hits him and the voiceover work in that scene between both of them. Don't tell me voiceover work isn't acting. That's acting. And it's incredible to see that uh, in the uh, animated, the stop motion animation they do. Yeah. So it's, it's a vibrant film. It's a fun film. It is it's a quirky film, but it's a film I love though. You know, that's why it's this high. Um, I know personally I've put it on numerous lists. That's why I didn't put it on mm, this one. That's fair. Yeah. It's a personal type of, uh, yeah, it's awesome. And you know, I liked Isle of Dogs. It's yeah. all right. I liked Isle of Dogs. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of hard to stack up to Mr. Fox because it's, you didn't stop motion with Wes Anderson. You had no idea what to expect. Yeah. And it's got a, a unique energy. Somehow Anderson, really brought the liveliness of his normal cinematic world into yeah. the stop motion. And it has a lot of his same aesthetic, but it's unique to this. And it yeah. has the same pace in beats and whatnot in the, the way he sets up shots. He takes that, that amount of care in setting up for this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's genuinely complete like Wes Anderson film. Whereas say Hugo. Yeah. I couldn't tell you distinctly that that was a Scorsese if I didn't know. Right. Whereas right. I could take a guess at Fantastic Mr. Fox and be like, I don't know, it felt kind of like a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> it's not like it's yeah. Scorsese. It's just the man, he managed to translate something that I didn't think was really translatable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the aesthetic kind of threw me off in Isle of Dogs. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know why I made a choice between the two. Yeah. I like all the dogs, but I hear you. I a thousand percent hear you. It's it's not as good as Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, but it's still interesting, you know, with the mm -hmm. Japanese aspects to it all and everything like that, and the nuclear war stuff. Stuff I, I like that, but um, but it's not. It doesn't hasn't have the same magic. Even still, it's good. It's just doesn't yeah. have the same magic. So yeah. Um, all right, what's your number two, man? Uh, my number two is the pump from earlier. What we do in the shadows. Oh, good choice. All right, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I. I Watched it once, turned it off. I don't know how far into it, but I definitely didn't see over halfway. Oh, wow. Okay. And then, yeah, I just didn't do anything for me. And then in yeah. that time in between, I had seen 
two or three other of Taika's and perhaps I just better understood comedically where he was coming from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know though. Cause when I went back and rewatched it, it like it all seems like stuff I would have loved the first time around. I'm not sure. I think part of it was that Catherine didn't enjoy it at all. So that I'm like kind of side eyeing and oh, she's not enjoying. So I don't enjoy it as much. Right. 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 Uh, type of, cause you're the same way I am. I'm always down to watch a movie. Let's watch oh, a yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Like, but I have to pick and choose because she to commit to commit an hour to a show and do like three shows in a row. No problem. Yeah. For some reason, committing two hours to one thing. <laughs> and uh, it, it's different strokes for different folks. Sure. Sure. Some people just like the one hour and then they can kind of like check out for five minutes and then they can right. watch another one as opposed to be fully engaged. Right. Right. So if she's not into it, then I'm like, <laughs> oh, damn it. I wish she was more into this. <laughs> yeah, but going yeah, back yeah. and watch, I mean, when Taika tears the girl's throat and all the blood shoots everywhere. Oh my God. Died laughing. (laughs) Died laughing. (laughs) Such a great, the look on his face, the acting is just, just so good. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I like the Jermaine Clement and the, the, his ex lover and the, the guy that's now usurping him and all, all that stuff. And the younger guy, that's what I think took me out of it. That she wasn't enjoying, but I think his flip is so yeah. good in the third act yeah. that it fully justifies, and you need to wait through until the end to bring it in the werewolves. Yeah, the werewolf. I mean, the lichen stuff is just yeah, so good. Yeah. Oh my god, that guy from uh, Flight of the Concords. He's Flight like, of the Con- yeah. He's like, we're not werewolves. We're not werewolves. Yeah, you know? <laughs> trying to get he's trying to be the nicest of guy, and then the one buddy that gets to hang out with the vampires eventually becomes yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> He's just all quiet. He's their mate that they want to bring with. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. it's such a brilliant world that they created. And it's such it's one of my favorites. You know, the only reason it's not higher up is because these other ones are just classics. Sure. But it's getting there. I mean, it's uh, that's the TV series is just as funny, if not funny. Still haven't started it. Okay. Really? Oh, my God, dude. It's even funnier at times than the actual movie. And you get them to they, they have two cameos, the guys uh, in the first season, I think. So, um, and it's great because Taika Waititi and Jermaine either direct or produce uh, a majority of the episodes in the first season. Uh, and the second season kind of t- takes off on its own. It's brilliant. But yeah, this film is, the, I mean, the whole thing with that Nosferatu guy down in the cellar. Yeah. That whole great. thing. Uh, when the two uh, New Zealand police officers come in and they're, you know, they're mentally, you know, kind of influencing them not to see what they're seeing yeah. and the conversations they have. It's hilarious. And you're right. The stuff with Jermaine Clement and the jealousy he has with the other uh, with the woman and then the other guy who's in there. Yeah. That all is funny, but it's, it's all, and it's the whole universality of living with somebody. We've all lived with somebody for them who we didn't want to live with, or we had issues with, and you had to kind of compromise on certain things. So we've all been in that boat at some stage in our lives. So yeah. but there's a universality, of that humor, that's hilarious. You know, put the pa- put paper down, at least put newspaper down. If you're going to spray blood or do whatever, you got to clean the dishes. Uh, just all of it. Um, just the humor from top to bottom is brilliant, man. I just love yeah. this movie. I love going back to it too. I mean, it's one of those, of course, nobody had thought of this idea before <laughs> and simultaneously, how did no one ever right. think of this idea before? Because if vampires yeah. are immortal, not all of them are going to have a ton of money. So it would make sense that they would all live in a house together type of thing. And right. Right. I have to move around every whatever, 20, 30 years once they stop aging. Right. Right. Uh, 
you know, people start to notice, be like, man, you look great. Yeah. Uh, the crush thing is funny too. Like you had a crush and now she's uh, way older now. And they, <laughs> the grandma, Oh, that's brilliant. Um, all right. So then, uh, my number two is a quiet place. Okay. Yeah. Great choice. This one, not necessarily, I, I suppose I misspoke a little bit. This is not necessarily a classic, but it's one of the best tour. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, yeah. Let me uh, bring you up. It's one of the best horror films I've ever seen for sure. And um, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, their connection, they're, they're um, navigating this situation of not trying to do or make too much noise. Uh, I mean, I, I caught myself a number of times looking at the corner of the screen because I couldn't handle what I was watching on the main area of the screen because it was so scary and so unsettling. And um, I love the uh, actors who were involved as their kids. Uh, and then the situations they confront, because this could have easily become kind of a cheesy, okay, what's the next challenge? What's the next thing they have to overcome? But Krasinski fills this small world with a lot of stuff, you know, the the issues with their relationships, one of the girls being deaf. So how does she know she's making noise to attract the uh, these creatures? You don't get too much explanation about how why these creatures came and what happened. You do get a little bit of backstory, but it's not a lot. So the mystery is still there. Then the way they communicate with the different uh, you know the stuff going on at the different places and the smoke. I think it's smoke coming out or whatever that, or the lights coming on that indicates certain things. All of it just very inventive and unique and funny. Oh, not funny, but unique and um, unsettling. Uh, I just thought it was brilliant, brilliantly done. And Krasinski does a masterful job directing this movie. It's on the um, the reaction I had watching this movie was uh, very close to the reaction I had when I watched Gone Baby Gone. You know, I'm like, how did this guy? Who I didn't under who didn't really even know was could create something like this. How did how did he create something so damn good with his first um, feature film, and that was one of the best horror films the last thirty years, forty years, you know. And the sequel is coming at some point down the road if they ever release it with the COVID situation that expands the world out even more. So yeah. this certainly has the potential to be a franchise within that story with those fans. But you could the brilliance of this movie is you could do a quiet place in Russia, a quiet place, France, a quiet place, Germany, a quiet place, Australia, because it happened all over the world. So yeah. you could have families in different regions, uh, uh, South America, whatever, and then have them in those native languages uh, and hire directors to do those films. And you'd have a whole series that you could make money off of. So uh, that's what the genius is about this movie and, and the direction and the acting just stellar. From top to bottom, man. Yeah, I was looking forward to that sequel. So sometime yeah. next year. Yeah, yeah, some point. Um, all right. Uh, what's your number one, dude? My number one, I don't believe it's ever technically come up on the show. Maybe okay. once. Okay. Maybe once. All right. Which is the King of Kong. <laughs> the documentary? So good. All right. My turn. You to pee, you go ahead. Okay. So King of Kong. If you've never seen it, so one dude, and I'm, I'm probably going to get his name wrong. I want to say it's Billy Mitchell owns the high score on King Kong, right? And he's owned it for 20 something years, maybe 30 years at this point. So he walks around, the dude that sells like hot wings and shit, that's his job. And he's got this thick five o'clock shadow and a 
a business mullet, you know, professional up front and then long in back. And he's always wearing like this America, American flag tie at all times, just walking around looking pretty boss. And he's had the record for so long. And there's like two or three dudes that follow him around from up close and personal and also from afar. And they run like the governing body that determines who has the record and whatnot. And he's trying to keep out this dude who uh, just sat at home, bought himself a King Kong terminal and figured out all the variations and knew and played the perfect game and got it to a kill screen and ran up this huge score but they didn't want to bring it in and like officially recognize it as the score. So it's the drama of this guy that has held the high score in a video game for the entirety of his adult life, actively politicking and, you know, calling them out to matches. They need to go one-on-one or people need to, he has his sycophants like tell, create these rules that only the new guy has to adhere to type of stuff. Like you got to show up and do it this place. Uh, and somebody needs to be seen verified by X number of people. And it's just this. I mean, ostensibly, as far as I know, this is genuinely real because it is a documentary and it is just fucking fascinating. There's a world that I never thought existed. That Billy Mitchell is the king of that mountaintop. And there's like five, six people who genuinely give a shit. Uh, and then after that, who knows the other ones just for the sake of trivia knowledge of, oh, who has the high score in this game, in this game, in this game from that era when they were more iconic and it was easier to track that type of shit. Now, I don't even know fast at like a, a runtime. How quickly can you get through a game seems to be the only somewhat benchmark of that or how many times or who can get the number of uh, was it stars in Mario 64 the quickest to get all of them. There's a specific record for that. Some of these have had huge dollar amounts that if you can get to them, they'll pay out like a million dollars. Just talking about the, now the video game record world of the modern versions that I know are speed runs. Oh yeah. For various types of shit, but yeah. uh, Yeah. The King of Kong, man, it's just ridiculous that this is real life. I got to see it. I've never seen it. So I got to get it. Yeah. Especially being an eighties kid. I'm sure it speaks my language like crazy. It It's, it's not even really about that. Although okay. it kind of is. Okay. The, this guy's fame is very specific to the eighties and then watching him ride off into the sunset on this fucking fame <laughs> is very, you know, it's, yeah. it's something you see quite a bit, but right. Right. it's, I mean, it is fascinating. Okay. The egos involved in who has the high score all time for Donkey Kong. <laughs> it means the world to about six people. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And to those six people, it is life and fucking death. <laughs> and one dude has been strutting around Kong Town for 30 years. <laughs> Cock of the walk and somebody new showed up. That's the way it goes. Lord knows I know about that. Um with the right, so, and stuff. All right. So my number one is uh toy story. I mean, what am I going to do? It's under 90 minutes. Yeah. I, I feel like I've done a good job talking about other films. We've, we've never put on lists or only rarely put on lists. So uh, I had to put that as number one for my own personal thing. So um, I love that movie. Still go back to it all the time. Uh, and if we're saying top 10 films under 90 minutes, that's a film that certainly qualifies in, in many, many ways. Uh, but we've talked about it a million times, Matt, uh, our Pixar is one of our biggest uh, episodes every time we do it so um 
Uh, I don't know what more I can add to it other than that's an incredible film. If you haven't watched it yet, what's your problem? Like, go watch it. For God's yeah. Sake. I don't know what to say about Toy Story. Yeah. At this point. Um, uh, all right. Well, there's our there's our top 10 uh, uh, movies under 90 minutes, uh, our separate uh, lists, and we're going to combine them now. There'd be a lot of coin flipping, I imagine, unless there's some negotiation going on here. Um, Probably so, just coin flipping and then. Okay. We've got uh, shout outs after this and also James's yeah. list, and we'll get to those. All right. In just yeah. One second. So I'll give you Toy Story one. I got zero problem with that. Okay. Uh, we both have what we do, and it's my yeah. two. So yeah. number two. Yeah, that's fine with me. I can argue that. Uh, we don't have anything else, do we? Uh, in no. common? No. All right. Well, what's your next highest? I got my number one. Uh, yeah, put your number one up there because my, my number one's already on there. All right. What's your next highest? Uh, my number two, A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place it is. Okay. Uh, my next highest is three. Yeah, so is mine. That's three. Fantastic, Mr. Fox. I got Stand By Me. Okay. I think that's a coin flip. All right. Uh, and while he's uh, searching for the coin, don't forget uh, Golden Ticket. Every Monday, we do it on the Top 10 show that uh, the new episodes drop on the audio and on the YouTube channel. If you're not on the YouTube channel, get on the YouTube channel for sure. The Top 10 YouTube channel. Uh, and we, you know, we've know, we got imp- we've got uh, Topic Thunder and Golden Ticket every week as, long, as well as our main show. So get involved in that as well. All right. What do we got? All right. I'm going to flip. We'll okay. call it in the air. Okay. Tails. All right, it is heads. Oh, fantastic, Mr. Fox. All right, then stand me. I got my four. So do I, Rashomon. Um, all right, flip the coin. <laughs> What's your four again? Airplane. Oh, yeah, all right. It's- Okay, you ready? Ever been a, a versus? All right, go ahead. Yes. Uh, yeah, um, I've seen airplane so many more times, and I'm gonna see airplane so many more times. Too. Yeah, fair. It's totally fair. All right, call in the air. Ready? One, two, three. Go. Heads. Oh shit! <laughs> this is the Sterling stuff you hope to get. What do you got? Airplane, it is. <laughs> All right. Where are we at? Uh, number nine. Oh, wow. All my right. five. I think that your five goes because my five was what we do in the shadows. So that's already on the list. All right. Do you have your six? Yes, I do. Which is? Attack the block. You know what? Uh, I will happily concede that over my six, which is Zelig, because I don't think we should put a Woody Allen uh, film on the, on the last top ten. So there we go. Easy. All right. Let's do this thing. The top ten movies under 90 minutes. Yeah. At number ten. Attack the Block. At number nine. Evan and Costello meet Frankenstein. At number eight. Rashomon. At number seven. Airplane. At number six. Stand by me. At number five. Fantastic Mr. Fox. At number four. A Quiet Place. At number three. King of Kong. 
At number two. What we do in the shadows. And our number one film uh, here on the top 10 list is Toy Story. Oh, Toy Story. There we go. That's our top 10 list of the movies under 90 minutes. Uh, best movies under 90 minutes. Thank you so much to James Leggett for that topic. Uh, shall we hear his list? All right. At 10, he's got The Public Enemy. Oh, nice choice. Nine, pardon me, Eraserhead. Eight is Borat. Seven is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. Six is Toy Story. Five is The Bride of Frankenstein. Four, Duck Soup. Three, High Noon. High Noon, good choice. Two is Rashomon. And number one is Persona. Oh, that's an Ingmar Bergman film, I think. Wow. Okay. All right. Joe. And he writes at the bottom, thank you, Matt and John, for always putting on a great show and for picking my topic. I'm all for long movies, but you got to respect when a film doesn't waste time and get you in and out. Yeah. Extra points when they have something meaningful to say and can say it in a short enough runtime that you can go out and enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Fair point. Very true. Uh, thank you, uh, James, for sending that in. It was a good topic. Yeah. Thank you, James. Um, all right, Matt, let's move on to our shout outs. Yep. Everybody that uh, supports us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10 um, at the $5 and up here, uh, you get a shout out at the end of the month on the show. And uh, we just start at the top, read them all down. And it's our way of saying thank you to everybody that supports us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Uh, I don't care. Go ahead. Okay. Let's go. Henrik Winterland. Phil Knuckles. Ryan Latonin. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, it looks right. Zach Cooper. Ray Roche. Robert Miller. Ryan Payne. Daniel Bettenhausen. Colson Kuliopoulos. Brandon M. Eggleston. Callie Onken. Justin Kelly. Ruben E25. Uh, Ruben Enriquez. Sorry, sorry. Ruben Enriquez. Sorry, Matt. Ruben Enriquez. Lachlan Skinner. Nancy Mallory. Benny Haste. Charles Kim. Michael Ashby. Joseph Curran. Fred Castillo. Edward Wilshire. J. Scotty Sinclair. What's up, J. Scotty? Charles J. Clark. Ryan Beachy. Thomas Clarence. Sam Monsalvi. Uh, Zachariah Kaufman. Uh, Jeff Dickin. Uh, Sean Labua. Francisco J. Torres. James Nost. Connor Teal. Michael D. Dyke. Robert Francesco Suarecha. Uh, Michael Kelly. Tim Reimert. Brandon Monroe. Dominic Greaves. Cody Rexford. Eric Bruin. Matt Simmons. Kyle Beckworth. Jonathan Caro. Jeff Kelly. Jeremy Bowers. Josh Stetz. James Petty. Nick Francis. Billy Gilliams. Christopher Brockman. Blake Gant. Kyle Feller. Haley Morton. Cameron Chapman. Alex Russell. Matthew Poland. Hans Eskelson. Bobby Michael. Daniel McCarty. Stephen Armstrong. Paul Cree. Duberkart. Stacy Flores. Scott Zarnecki. Luke Allison. Uh, Mark Fawcett. Kristen Kurtz. Bobby Carney. Dylan Johnson. Gareth Weldon. Cody Seal. Ian Horner. Timothy R. Williams. Chris Lemke. Oh, Lemke. Nick Baldwin. Uh, Johanna Lenoverta. Nice said. Well said. Uh, JIC 317. 
I hope I got it right. DJ Red Hot Cox. Jordan Wiltshire. Uh, Kyle Spahn. James Leggett. Ahmad Ali. Darren Bush. Angela Dashner. James Winstead. Pasquale Bufamante. Dan Petraglia. Bernie Knapp. Nice. Sean Scott. Albert Weirdarma. Christopher McIntyre. Louis Berrigan. Josh Lawrence. Chelsea Lewis. Adilardo Fuente. Reagan Lovig. Rodrigo Valverde III. Stephen Westaway. Lawrence Witt. Andre Constantinesco. Elijah York. Lou Leowen Williams. Steve Schlachbeier. Uh, Catherine Samuels. Todd Whitkey. Houston Bodley. Philip Hunt. Bless you. Uh, thank you. Roque Ariano. Uh, Keith Archer. Matt Hannigan. Maurice Robinson. Alan Snuffleupagus Bennett. Marcus Davenport. Brandon Caridi. Michael Schmur. Ravi Prasad. Joe Farrelly. Charlie McKenna. Gunnar R. Mark Menchaca. Josh Mabry. Yanvia Canazar. Ben Cartwright. Nizar Alabasi. Tim Begg. Jeremy Metz. What's up, Jeremy? John Douse. Juan Reyes. Blair Simpson. And I lost my place. Oh, no worries. Trying to stare at this. Josh Murphy. Alex Ramsey. Josh Sachs. George Menchaca. Dale Varley. Cody Markham. Phil Neglia. Chris Consiglio. Wayne Murphy. Ashley Prowls. Edward Dobbins. Nick Dornoff. Johanna Schmidt. David Gregson. Andrew Herbs. Zujayanth Fernando. Sammy. Eric Stevenson. Uh, Evan Zoller. Thorsten Amuler. Eric Bloor. Zach Butts. Jacob Pullen. Philip Lane. Kevin Fuss. Jen Kemp. Ben Archambault. Ryan McKenna. Andy Tan. Brian Akins. Frank Montoya. Mike Shea. What's up, Mike Shea? Alexander Marzonia. Gareth Wisenant. Uh, Deborah Torres. Sean Brennan. Mike Barrington. Ed Buzzkirk. Ellis Manchaka. Jeff Saliba. Noel Kelleher. Jim Payne. Scott Kohler. The Cinephiles. Ew. David Mitchell Baker. Andy Ortiz. Uh, John Keefe. Kristen Smith. Matthew Lee Cravens. Marcel Behrman. Uh, James Trapani. Drew Inns. Dan Nye. Seth Shearer. Laura Deverson. Andrew Hayes. Niall Blackie. Matt Yund. Andrew Marker. Chris Jones. Luke Larson. Chris Cabrera. Julian Key. Robert Haley. Joey Anthony. Christos Alexakos. Oh, and Anthony Castlenova. That is uh, thanks to our thanks to everybody for supporting us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 and a uh, hell of a show today, buddy. Yeah. A lot of fun, dude. A lot of fun. Uh, and thanks to everyone who's participating in the golden ticket. Thanks to all of you who are watching it. Don't forget that that happens every Monday, new episodes there and shout out to Bobby Carney. who's doing a great job doing all the social media for us. Much love to him and all the clips he's finding. Some funny stuff that I've I've forgotten about. We've done so many shows. It's great to be reminded. I hope you all are enjoying that too. Um, and yeah, listen, I want to say something uh, uh, to everybody. Uh, this is the time when we need your support here on the Top Ten Show. Um, there's, uh, you know, we, there's, uh, I know there's a, a lot of people like, uh, you know, angling for your dollar. I know people are struggling right now, but 
We want to ask if you've been on the fence about supporting us, we're generating all this extra new content for you all to enjoy. The Gold Ticket is one of the proudest things we've ever done. Mm -hmm. uh, the Topic Thunder has been great every week, and we're bringing you a new show every week. So we need your support now more than ever. If you haven't supported the Top 10 show in the past or you've been on the fence about becoming a patron, I can't encourage you enough, and I hope I echo Matt's sentiments as well. We can't encourage you enough to be a part of the Top 10 Patreon. Come and get involved. Top 10 Patreon. Uh, I'm sorry, patreon.com the top 10 the number 10 there go and see the multiple tiers come and help us out if it's a dollar five dollars ten dollars a month come and help us out and help support the show and keep it going in its iteration you are the lifeblood of the show you make it possible for us to keep doing the show every week and coming up with new shows to do new content to put out there for you all so please come and support us now more than ever your dollar and your support is so important to us here on the top 10 uh yeah and to those that already support us um, we are setting aside, look in your emails. You'll be getting an email for those that still haven't competed in the first round of Topic Thunder. You've, they, you've gotten, or not Topic Thunder, I apologize, uh, Golden Ticket. You've got yeah. numerous emails. So this one we need you to respond to. If you want to participate in this opening round, we're shooting for October 17th, which is a Saturday. You'll be getting an email very shortly outlining the details. But if you hear it here first, go look in your email because you should have one by the time you hear this. Respond, and we're going to try and work out and get out because there's only... A handful left, and then we're done with the first round. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to schedule that all out. We want to get everybody that wants to participate onto that first round, close this out strong. We've had some fantastic games so oh, far. Yeah. Back and forth, neck and neck, closes out at the end. It's a shitload of fun for us each and every time we do it. So yeah. we can't, We want to get everybody that wants to participate and has uh, said so. So hopefully that day we'll, we'll try and be as flexible as humanly possible and have some in the middle of the day or maybe one in the late afternoon or something if somebody's got to work. Uh, yeah. So we'll figure it out. And uh, that is it. October 17th. Look in your emails. You should be getting an email, an official one from yeah. the show about it coming up. And I think that's it for me this week. You can okay. follow me anywhere at Matt Nost and uh, check out the dropping dimes as the NBA playoffs go off or settle the score. Uh, and that's it for me. All right. You can follow me at the Roka says on Twitter and on Instagram. And don't forget our top 10 YouTube channel. For some of you are listening to us on the podcast feed. You can come watch our pretty little faces talking about whatever we're talking about every week. You come see, even see, put faces to names of the people that you've uh, been uh, with uh, talking in the Facebook group and what have you, seeing them compete in the uh, golden ticket. Uh, and then of course, seeing some of them ask questions on topic thunder. So a lot of you can watch us do all of that on camera at the YouTube channel for the top 10. Just look for the top 10 logo and you'll see there where to subscribe and, and what have you. Uh, please, uh, as I said, follow me at the Roka says on Twitter and on Instagram. But don't forget the Cinephiles podcast. We just we're about to drop the Black Panther episodes that we're doing with Winston Marshall and Jay Washington, and uh, of course the Geek Buddies podcast and my own YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash John Roka says. Come get involved in there as well. All right, thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Top Ten Show. Ooh.